Now, I want to thank our listener, Pam Duffield, for today's Pippa's Planet interview because Pam recently attended a talk hosted by the West Coast Bird Club and found it so fascinating that she wrote to me suggesting we must get this guest onto the show. The subject was the threat to birds posed by a mouse infestation on Marion Island and the ongoing efforts to eliminate that threat. Now, it is a subject we've spoken about before on the station and indeed on this show, but it's been a while since we tackled it. So I'm delighted to pick up on it again as we welcome Dr. Sue Tonin to the show. She is the Assistant Project Manager for the Mouse Free Marion Project. Sue, wonderful to have you with us this afternoon. Thank you so much for your time and welcome. Thank you very much, Pippa, and thanks to all your listeners. Thank you. It's great to be here. I just want to start by saying that if anybody is struggling to picture where exactly Marion Island is, you're not alone. Rest assured in that. It is a South African territory. It's located in the Southern Atlantic Ocean, um, something like 2,000 kilometers roughly southeast of Cape Town. Um, Sue, would I be right in saying that the only humans who live there are those who are working at the research station? Yes, you would. And thanks for that geographical <laughs> um, location, because a lot of people don't know where the island is. Yeah. So an uninhabited, almost exclusively uninhabited by humans anyway, uh, apart from the big meteorological and biological research centre, which is run by the South African National Antarctic Programme. Uh, what is significant, though, is the non-human populations of wildlife and particularly of birds. Sue, prior to the problems with, with the mice that we're going to be talking about, can you give us a sense of the richness and the diversity of, of the animal life on Marion Island? Yes, Pippa. So um, you've described where the island is. It's in the vast southern ocean, which basically encircles Antarctica. And most of the southern hemisphere is ocean. And that vast ocean is extremely productive and rich. It's full of krill, whales eating the krill, seabirds following the whales, seabirds eating fish and krill and squid, seals doing the same and all of that productivity um, is there are only a few tiny islands in that vast productive ocean on which the seals in particular and the seabirds can breed yeah if if you look at that at a map and so all of the the breeding seabirds and seals that um, forage in well that breed on marion um, forage in that vast area and so the numbers of seabirds and seals that come to these isolated islands is absolutely staggering. Mm-hmm. And the other fascinating thing about the islands is that the the smaller creatures and the plants that reach them through the wind and on the feathers of seabirds, once they get there, they've got nowhere else to go because mm-hmm. they're so isolated and it's such a chance that got them there. So there's a very high level of endemism Yes. On the islands, you get a lot of endemic species of insects and plants. Right. So, um, mm. Okay, so what, you, what I'm hearing is, is any disruption to that ecosystem is going to be potentially catastrophic because, as you say, these are in many cases plants that are only uh, found in this, this part of the world. The disruption that the mice pose, um, not a new problem, Sue, but one which has become... Uh, catastrophically uh, difficult in recent years, but I gather dates back um, over a century when the first mouse must have caught a caught a lift on board a whaling or sealing ves- uh, vessel at some point and found its way to Marion Island. Can you tell tell us the nature of the problem? Uh, what has become of of that mouse arriving on Marion Island? 
you're absolutely right. It was with feelers, and we think it was actually slightly more than 200 years oh, gosh, ago. Okay. What's made the islands more um, favorable for the invasive mice is the warming and drying that they're experiencing because of climate change. Right. What makes it more catastrophic is the fact that the birds in particular, but also the insects and the plants, they have no defenses against mice because they didn't evolve with in the presence of terrestrial predators. Mm-hmm. So the birds simply sit there and um, allow the mice to climb around on them and eat them alive. Oh. And the plants don't have the kind of defenses that our fambles plants would have against mice. So their seeds are unprotected. So, and the insects are flatless, many of them. Yeah. So everything on the island, because of its long isolation and its very special nature, is extremely vulnerable to these tiny, voracious, adaptable predators, mm. which are being favoured by climate change. And which are breeding, as the saying goes, like mice. <laughs> so the very nature of the problem is is is, is right there uh, in, in that statement. So, Sue, you have this situation where an out-of-control mouse population is posing a huge threat to plant and bird life alike. Now, what can be done about it? I know there was an attempt um, in the middle of the 20th century to introduce cats to control the mice. The cats then became a problem and, and themselves had to be dealt with. So that strategy didn't work. What is the current thinking on what to do about this problem? Um, the first thing to do is to ask the experts. And the experts are uh, New Zealanders primarily, but also folks in the United States, France, Europe. Um, the New Zealanders in particular are dealing with this problem because their entire country is an island mm-hmm. populated by incredibly special birds, many of which are flightless, all of which are vulnerable to introduced rats and mice. So for probably 50 years, the New Zealanders have been eradicating rodents from their outlying islands in order to save their wildlife, mainly their birds. Um and some large insects. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we consulted them when the problem first rose up on our radar screens. Um, And they have developed a technique of distributing rodenticide bait from helicopters that's very effective, particularly for, for controlling rodents on large islands. And they've refined that over the last 40 years. And they've had incredible success. And these techniques have been adopted by um, other countries all around the world, um, in the Pacific, the tropical Pacific, um, on um, islands like the Aleutians Mm -hmm. um, off Alaska, joining Alaska and Russia, um, islands all over the world. The Americans have have developed the technique as well. So that's the, the... the foundation of the technique. Um, okay. Sue, a couple of follow-up questions. Anybody hears the word rodenticide uh, and, and they will be immediately alarmed about the possibility of other creatures accidentally ingesting that bait and, and suffering the, the side effects thereof. Is that a risk or is this a, a, a bait that is only dangerous to mice? It's an excellent question and it's at the heart of our risk risk planning Mm -hmm. Um, we have a few species of birds on the island which are at risk 
um, what we can do is time the operation so that most of the birds seasonally are not there. They've, they've come, they've bred, and they've left. Okay. Luckily, um, the albatrosses and the petrels don't pick up bits and pieces of bait lying around, but there are a few species of scavengers like skuas and giant petrels that are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And there's one species which is like, it's, it's in the wader, it's in the same group as waders um, that birders in South Africa will know. It's, it's a, called a sheathbill. And they are vulnerable, but they are also extremely at risk to mice because the mice have eaten the insects that are their natural prey. Right. So with timing, we, we hope to reduce the, the risk. And... Also, luckily, there's a neighboring island that also houses a very healthy population of these sheathbills. And we've done an extensive risk assessment, some researchers at UCT that I know John Matham will probably Mm -hmm. know quite well, have looked at, um, can we keep some of those sheathbills in captivity until the bait is all um, disintegrated? Because the bait is poisonous to birds and to humans if they eat enough of it, not to insects. So yes, that, we, we, we decided not to try and keep the sheathbills captive, um, but we have that backup population on Prince Edward Island close by. Okay. Sue, it sounds like planning is fairly advanced. Are you at a point where you can say this operation is going to, to, to go ahead or is it uh, still only in planning phases? How, how far along are we in this plan? We've been planning for close on three years now. Um, we we do have a, a, a hopeful eradication date of 2027. Uh, something that's made us take stock and plan some new experimental work to fine-tune the method is recent failures of an eradication on Gough Island, which mm-hmm. used the same method. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, Pippa. I haven't, and we're almost out of time. Uh, mm. Almost out of time, Sue. So yes. that's perhaps one we need to pick up at a later <laughs> date. Sorry, looking up at the clock and realizing we we be bumping into news time. So 2027. That tells me that there is still further planning to be done. What about funding for such an operation? Because by comparison to 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 some of the environments where this process has been tested before, I know Marion Island is quite sizable. Sue, what's it going to take in terms of funding, and who is going to foot the bill for for this this plan? We have a very large budget. You, you keep putting your finger on the most important things. Very large budget. We have only raised approximately a third of it to date. So we are appealing to donors, large and small, who have a passion for conservation. And because this op- offers such hope, we're, we're appealing to people who are interested in funding a conservation solution that is relatively simple, although not at all easy. Mm. and offers great hope. So, we, you know, we're doing a, a wide mixture of fundraising strategies. Um, and our government partner, the Department of Forestry, Fisheries and the Environment, is also helping us enormously. They're letting us use their ship, the SA Gullis, to, um, they're giving us enormous mm-hmm. logistical support and financial. 
Dr. Sue Tonin, thank you so much. Absolutely fascinating to hear that insight into what is being planned for Marion Island's mass problem. We really appreciate your time this afternoon. And if anybody would like to read up more about the Mouse Free Marion Project, there's an excellent explanatory video and further information on their website, mousefreemarion.org. Our thanks to Dr. Sue Tonin, who is the Assistant Project Manager for Mouse Free Marion.